Welcome to the intersection of Black culture and horticulture with your girl, Cola B. Talking. And guess what, y'all? We Black in the Garden. All right, so on this special episode of Black in the Garden, we are doing things a little bit differently. I have Nia with me on this, what I call the introduction, which I usually do it by myself. But Nia is with me. She, you should know her if you don't like what's wrong. Like, seriously, like, check your pulse. She is known around the gram as the Bloom Journey and is definitely like a whole vibe. And I'm just very excited that I got to meet her. And uh, we're going to talk all about that. But first, let me welcome Nia to Black in the Garden. Oh, well, well thank you for that fabulous introduction. <laughs> Of course. I can see my check day pulse. Lord have mercy. Check it. Thank you, thank you. I'm excited to um, talk to you today and talk about our visit because it really was a grand time. And I don't know if we really sat and fully decompressed after that. So this is a great chance to do that. We did not unpack it. We actually will probably go back and unpack a little bit more because we're just going to lead into this uh, interview that I did with Mo, who is the community outreach manager. But start with... Let's start with why you wanted to go to the Atlanta Botanical Garden. Well, first and foremost, I'm a whole crazy plant person, right? Which I think at this point you thoroughly understand. And whoever's listening to this, if you don't know me, you will understand that surely that I am a whole crazy plant person. And I love, I love plants. I love plant arrangements. I love being in tropical environments, so on and so forth. So I am a native New Yorker and the New York Botanical Gardens is massive. I love going there. And just kind of, you know, browsing the internet and following plenty people on Instagram, you know, Atlanta folks, they're posting pictures all the time of themselves at the Atlanta Botanical Garden. So I'm like, next time I'm in Atlanta, I need to go there. I need to see this for myself. Let me see this other garden, right? Um, and just Not see how things are done. <laughs> I mean, like the New York Botanical Gardens is like the New York Botanical Gardens. Like it's a big deal. And and, and I'm going to already not apologize for all this cockiness, but I'm a New Yorker and this is just how we flex. Like, that's just, when you, one thing I, I, I think, I think people know that by now, it's kind of like either annoying or just tolerable for folks who are outside of New York, but that's like New York's flag. It's like, we're super proud of where we're from. It's like the biggest little city and everywhere in the world, people can like spot a New Yorker because we're just like, oh, I'm from New York. And truth be told, like there's, I really just am proud of my city and I'm very proud of our potential garden. And I've been going there since I was a small child. When I was in school, we used to go there constantly for all kinds of little workshops and things. So getting a chance to see other gardens and even learning about gardens outside of New York, not just Atlanta, but just around the country and around the world and seeing some. And now I'm just like completely inspired. I want to go to all the gardens, like take me to all the gardens. Take me with you. We going. <laughs> I, we're we're going to talk about that, but we're we're going to go. So, wow. So you grew up, you literally grew up in the New York Botanical Garden on the scene. Let's just put it like that, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have family in Alabama, came down for a family trip and knew that being in such close proximity to Atlanta, you had to come through is my understanding. Uh, 100%. For logistical purposes, right? This is how she literally got there, right? So, ooh, so obviously we went together. So let's just get into 
what that experience was like. Like, tell us comparison notes, like the experience. Uh, well, no, not the experience, but let's start with how you felt about uh, experiencing this new scene in Atlanta versus how you felt with New York. Like, was there something greater, lesser, similarity? I mean, well, let's let's first start off by going to any type of planting environment with a friend who shares your love of plants is just like a whole vibe, right? So I was super excited to like reach out and be like, hey, you want to come with me to Atlanta Potential Gardens? You were like, yeah, girl, I was like, yes. Um, and so right off the bat, that was adding to the experience. And it it felt different even just as, as I was approaching it. One thing about New York, it's very dense as a city, but our botanical gardens is actually housed in the Bronx, which is the borough that I'm from, which is yeah. not nearly as dense as, let's say, like Manhattan, which is like the major kind of like urban epicenter of New York City is Manhattan, right? When you think of New York City, you think of the Empire State Building, you think of like the World Trade Center, you think about these particular areas and Central Park and all of that. But our botanical garden is not in our city, whereas in Atlanta, the Botanical Garden was very much kind of like in this dense kind of downtown feeling area. So it felt different off the bat. And so I was like, okay, this is interesting. Okay. I wasn't, and to be fully transparent, yeah, I wasn't expecting a whole lot. Like, <laughs> I didn't have my expectations. Oh, this is going to be cute. <laughs> this is going to be cute. Okay. So, I mean, that always, that's such a difference too. So, I mean, right off the bat, I was just, I think I was impressed with the layout. Because even though it was it was tight, it was tight in the way that allows you to feel like you're submerged in a botanical kind of like ecosystem. And what I mean by that is our botanical gardens is very much like a park, like a national like a park where there's lots of open grass, lot, wide open fields, and then they have like specific areas you go to where you see things that are like densely packed together. So New York Botanical Gardens is very open. It's very large. You look at it on a map and the sheer amount of like space it takes up is huge. Um, yeah. But a great deal of that is just like grass and open space, which is beautiful and greatly appreciated by New Yorkers who are accustomed to things being tight. But the Atlanta Botanical Gardens, I didn't get that. I got tight trails where you didn't feel like you were on your way to go see plants. Like the minute you got there, it was plants. Like the plants were in your okay. face. That you know plant that I fell in love with, that fuzzy plant. Oh my god! You just along the side, just walk in, just across the street from like a little restaurant food court area. Like, oh, yeah. this is also part. Like the entire, the entire space for me felt like it was part of the exhibit. Like everything felt like part of the exhibit in an intentional and, way, right? In an absolute, absolutely intentional way, absolutely mm -hmm. intentional way. Because things that I noticed right off the bat were plants that I, and and. After talking about it and thinking about it, I acknowledge that a large piece of this just has to do with the environment, right? New York is in the Northeast. Our weather is very different. There are certain things you're just not going to plant outside at any time of year. Mm -hmm. So being oh, able to be, yeah, and that's, and it took me a minute to think about it because I'm not very well versed in what the weather is like in, you know, Georgia and specifically the Atlanta area. But when I saw that they had like prayer plants planted in the ground outside, Y'all, she bugged out about that. I lost it. I lost it. I was High like, what? And they were thriving. They were thriving, sis. No crispy edges, just happy. Planted yeah. in the ground. Welcome to the South, boo. Listen, this video, I don't know if it's, it may or not, may not be up, but there was a point when I had went to the New York Botanical Gardens with um, Plant Blurred, and that was one of the first things, um, Camille, for those who 
Hey, Camille. Shout out to Camille Plant Flower. Um, Season one. She was like, wait a minute. Why the Calathea got crispy edges inside the conservatory? You live in a whole ass greenhouse and you still got crispy edges. And it was like the funniest thing because here we are in Atlanta and the Calathea is planted outside. Nia crispy edge in sight. Just thriving. Best life. Out here. I was was taken aback. (laughs) You know, I can answer, I I can give you a little theory actually as to why that may be. Um, Perhaps it has something to do with being in close proximity to Medea. Okay. You know, Tyler Perry Studios. Here we go. Okay. No, that was it. That's that's literally it. These plants are literally breathing the same air as Tyler Perry, uh, Janelle Monae, and Outkast. Um, who are some more? Uh, I'm not even. Gonna, I'm not even going to like sit here and feed that because we got a lot of great folks coming out of New York. So I don't even want to go down that. That that, that might that not way. be the best way to go. But I'm just saying, Tyler Perry <laughs> and Janelle Monae. That's those are some of my faves out of Atlanta. Uh, besides the garden. But look, we can talk about celebrities anytime. This is Black in the Garden. So we was Black in the garden. And who who joined us? So it was really cool. Um, I got a chance to meet a lot of Varagata, which is another one of my planty friends that I've met through the great world of Plantstagram. Um, and she was there with her husband and her daughter. And then I had my kids and Nicole had her kids. So it was like a for real family affair. Aww. And we were just blackity black, black, looking at every leaf, vine, blade of everything. Like just completely taken aback. Even remember the little frogs? Like they had the little frogs in the terrariums. Like I'd never seen terrariums that had like live animals in them. So, so she assumed that they were fake. I I, I, I I knew it. Never mind the signage. I didn't care. The frogs were sitting perfectly still. I was like, those aren't real. And then it moved. And I was like, ah! They're real. They yeah, were fake, though. Like, for real. And similar to plants, um, when you have a specimen that is just so perfect looking and just so... Mm-hmm. just I don't know how to explain it, but it doesn't look like it's real. You know, and mm-hmm. that's... That is, you know, similar to the experience with those frogs was the experience that we had uh, entered the conservatory. Like, in my mind, I'm seeing us go into the conservatory now. I feel like we're walking. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm visualizing it, too. That's a good point, though. I'm glad you brought up the frogs because it's not just plants, y'all. No, it's it's not. And that's I think that that's part of what's amazing about the way it's presented is that it shows you like this world, this this botanical world. Because when you think about these plants, they don't exist in isolation in the real world, right? They have relationships with all kinds of other living things. So it was really, really cool to see that and the way that they put it together. And it just, the whole thing was just so well put together. Like literally every inch of the grounds felt like an experience. And low key, low key super low-key. I was like, I think I like it here better than the New York Botanical Gardens. And that's a very big deal for me to say. That's a huge deal. Um, (laughs) It's a huge deal. Because like, as I I clarified early on, you know, I'm a very proud New Yorker. And anything in comparison to New York being better is just like unheard of, right? Um, It just doesn't happen. We might say something is nice, but better is a stretch. Um, But for me, because the experience felt like from the minute... I walked in, 
I knew I was there. I feel like the New York Botanical Gardens, especially like when you come through the main entrance, because it's so open and so, so grassy and whatnot, it's kind of like, all right, you go about your map and say, okay, where are we going to go? What are we going to look at? You start thinking about like, where do you want to go? What do you want to see? Whereas when I walked in there, like the minute I came out the other side of like the doors, it's like you're you're in the garden now. You don't even need to look. Just start looking at things. That's like a minute you walk Let me clarify. I, I want to kind of articulate what what I feel that you're saying is um, when you walk in, it's like self guided. It's like you can walk in any direction, and there will be something that is botanical that is going to catch your eye. You know, there's ugh, we didn't even talk about the exhibits. The uh, oh, oh yeah, but see that's. That's another thing too. I think that's important. Yeah. And I don't want to play, downplay the exhibit because the exhibit was amazing. Yes. But for me, while I was there, in some ways, I was almost trying to look past the exhibit because exhibits are temporary, right? True. They're there for the time that they're there. People come to see those things. And whereas for me, I enjoy the exhibit at the New York Botanical Gardens because since I've been going there my whole life, it's fun to see something new and different. Yes. But as an outsider traveling who being there for my very first time, everything was new and different, right? So oh. I'm like, okay, this is the exhibit, but this is the garden. Like my brain was making distinctions. And I was, yeah. and even when I looked back at the pictures you took versus the pictures I took, the things you shared versus the things I shared, I noticed that. I really didn't have a lot of captures that really highlighted the exhibit. I was more so interested in like the garden that the exhibit was housed as a part of, if that makes sense. Yeah. And you also slayed because you, you got the pictures. Child, she, <laughs> y'all, she ran out. Of, her phone ran out of battery. We weren't I even know. Like oh my gosh. But the, the name of the um, display, the, the, the exhibits, my bad, is Supernatural. And there's uh, the the aerial art in motion and there's the glass art. So there's like something for the senses, no matter what direction you look, because the aerial art is actually up like, you know, you got to look up to see it. But it, it's on the horizon because it's also in front of you. You know how that goes. Y'all get it. So yeah. that was wow. What an experience like. Mm, I feel like we it will be worth us talking more about it in another way. So I think we'll we'll just figure out how to make that happen. And we will uh, we'll let y'all know. I'll keep you posted on how that conversation is going to go, because why not? Yeah, absolutely. It was it was so much to see and so much to take in. Wait, say that again. There was so much to see and so much to take in. Absolutely. So let us know what your favorite thing about it was or favorite points or, you know, just the highlights or highlights of the experience. <sighs> um, it's hard to say favorite, but I know what kind of like sticks out in my mind. There was, there were these leaves that I, to this moment, I don't really remember. I don't even know what they were. So it's hard for me to say, maybe they have, they may have been in like the, Alocasia family, they were just gigantic. And they had them all over the place once we were inside the conservatory. And the way that they placed it to me, and I can't, and I'm, it is, you know, I can't help but to compare to the botanical gardens in New York, but it felt like, I feel like a lot of the way that botanical gardens in New York has things set up and displayed is intended to be very educational. So things are kind of 
tightly organized, like the begonias are here and the allocations are here and this is the this and it's all labeled and it's highly yeah. structured. Whereas I noticed there was a lot of re- repetition in the types of plants that they had and where they had them because yeah. it was more so staged, like, I don't want to say like a garden because obviously it's a garden, <laughs> but it was like, it was like an art, no. right? Like it, it was very artistic and it was very much kind of like landscaping, right? So let's say if someone's yeah. home is set up just to be aesthetically pleasing versus just setting it up to have like an educational demo, right? You're going to set it up differently. This was just designed to just be a beautiful experience. And the oh, leaves no. just like, they took me. They just really took me. I was, I loved it. I would say like in that, there's like mm-hmm. a part where there's like a little bridge and I would just stay right there. <laughs> I would stay right yeah. in that area like all day if I could. Oh my God. You know, this came up a few minutes ago. Um, I was thinking about what you said about how you walk in and you feel like you're completely like immediately immersed in it. And it made me think about my experiences with Disney World and how Mm. the way the plants are laid out, they're laid out in a very particular way and there's lushness and it just, it really adds to the environment. So yeah. Um, there's a lot of things that we could compare it to, but uh, I'm trying to make sure that I'm articulating what I'm trying to articulate. I'm really excited, by the way, y'all. I don't know if it's coming across. (laughs) (laughs) But it was just so wonderful to be able to share that experience with you. And, you know, we were there together, but we also had our respective experiences. And of course, we will have more. Uh, Y'all just stay tuned. That's all you got to do. That's really all you got to do. But Nia, thank you so much for accompanying me, taking me. It was it was amazing. Um, let the Soil Cousins know if, if they haven't checked their pulse yet. Let them know how they can catch up with you and keep up with you and support you. Well, for those of you who are interested in knowing more about me, you can find me on the interwebs as Nia Tanay. Um, you'll find me on Instagram at The Bloom Journey. So that's the T-H-E, Bloom, B-L-O-O-M, and Journey, right? Those special underscores or things to confuse you. It's literally The Bloom Journey. And that's where I spend most of my time. But you can also find The Bloom Journey on Facebook. I do have a Facebook page, primarily for those folks who are like, I don't have an Instagram most of what's content on Instagram will be funneled into Facebook. But I tell people all the time, don't be a follower, be a friend, right? Be a friend, not a follower. What does that mean? That means don't just watch my content quietly from the corner. If you're following me, feel free to reach out to me. Feel free to engage, ask questions, comment on a picture, respond to a story, slide in my DM and say, hey, I just started following you. I'm happy to be here. I really enjoy making those real connections. And um Hopefully we'll be connecting soon. And let me know like, hey, I found you from Black in the Gardens podcast. I love to know like how people ended up at my page. It's always yeah. really interesting. Absolutely. So I just, yeah, that's that's it. You said everything that needs to be said. I'm glad I found you. I'm glad that we are in community, soil cousins, soil sisters, whatever the hell you want to call it. We are connected and we got to have such a great experience. So yeah, let us, Continue with this episode of Black in the Garden and um, y'all enjoy. Hey, soil cousins, dig this, right? So last time I was on the botanical scene, I had a great time looking at all the plants, lusting after the plants, you know, in a healthy way. But the thing about being outside is when you come back inside, you smell like outside. You know what I'm saying? You got that garden funk on you if you've been gardening or if you've been just enjoying a beautiful botanical scene, right? Right insert here come 
our sponsor, Motherland Essentials, right? Here to save the day with small batch plant-based products for self-care. I'm talking about self-care essentials that will keep you clean with these artisanal soaps and scrubs. Okay, we got sugar scrubs. That's an option as well. We have lotion bars and uh, oils that will make sure that you are well moisturized after you get done with your shower or your bath. And there are even shower steam tabs for your shower. So there's there's something for everybody. All right, you're going to love it. But Motherland Essentials is our sponsor, obviously. Supporting the podcast simply means using code Black in the Garden at checkout. Now, when you do that, you're going to save 15% off. So everybody wins. Support the podcast by going to motherlandessentials.com and using Black in the Garden at checkout. You're going to love what you see when you get down there. Tell them Cole sent you by using Black in the Garden at checkout. And let's get on with the show. On this episode of Black in the Garden, we are joined by Mo Hemmings, who is the community outreach manager at the Atlanta Botanical Gardens. This is the first time that we've had a guest of a botanical institution join us in in such an official way. So I really appreciate you. Thank you for having me. I feel so cool to be the first. Look at me trailblazing. You better trailblaze. (laughs) We're going to come back to that because I would love to know about some ways that you have been trailblazing in your life or in your field. So I'm going to take note of that. But we are opening our season with a particular question being, how have plants been of most beneficial to you in your life? Plants have always been a thing. My family immigrated to the U.S. from Jamaica when I was young, six years old. We moved in with my grandmother, who was already established in the U.S. and D.C. And I feel like that is a real integral part of my story because my grandmother always had a garden. And that was something she did when she was in Jamaica. And that was how she centered and grounded herself in this new country when she got here. As a kid, I always helped out because... I was, I, I'm the youngest of six, but a lot of my siblings are significantly older than me. So when we immigrated here, the sibling closest to me in age was off to college, literally. So he got here and he went to school. It took a little bit for me to make friends in my neighborhood. And so I spent my time in our little tiny front yard in DC gardening with my grandmother. That was a really integral part. And up until she passed away, Plants and gardening was always a part of our relationship. That foundation helped me to get on my career path. Decided to go to undergrad to college. I actually started as an engineer because all my family were either architects or engineers. That's what I was going to do. And then I took a class in floral design in undergrad and it changed my life. It's like, oh, wait, I can work with plants? Like I can, you can do this as a job. It was, it was a whole perspective change. You are. And I am, I am working in a field that I love that has been with me since childhood. And I mean, a lot of people get to say that they genuinely enjoy their work and they're compensated for it. Like to have that, those two sides to have yeah. something that they're passionate about also pay their bills. <laughs> I just hope to inspire people, especially those who have a passion for plants, to consider the ways in which it can lead you to a path that will 
give you that fulfillment because it can, it can. That's a part of, would you say for or with or both the Atlanta Botanical Gardens? For, with, both. I love that. Okay. So considering your affiliation with them, can you name five horticultural careers off the top of your head? So we've got micropropagation, working in a lab, doing plant propagation via cuttings, things like that. Mm -hmm. We've got what I do, which is community engagement, outreach. So teaching people on the educational side how to work with plants and how to incorporate them in their lives on a daily basis. We've got our horticulturalists who literally maintain and take care of the plant collections. We've got plant recordists. So the person who manages what plants we have, where they are in the garden and where they came from. So literally a record of their whole entire life in our collections. And then we got the vice president, the horticulture manager who oversees us all. Someone's got to be the captain of the ship. And in order to captain correctly, you need to know your plants and you need to know how to manage and work with people. That is a plant career. Listen, that is... (laughs) A lot of options that you have just listed, and that's only five out of that's only five. Can you name off the top of your head like a, a general number as far as how many different careers are represented in Atlanta Botanical Gardens? I often joke with people, usually high school students who are trying to figure out what's that next step, be it trade school, be it entering the workforce, be it you know, going off to college, like. A botanical garden gives you so many opportunities to work in just about any field. Like we need, we have accountants, we have IT specialists, we have visitor services. So you're working with people interaction, which is on, of course, a customer service. And we've got people who maintain our buildings and maintain the cleanliness, which are two different aspects of maintenance. So we've got people who are literally engineers who help us with our greenhouses to make sure our greenhouses systems work properly. And then we've got the maintenance of like keeping our garden clean. Someone's Mm. job is to help make sure that if the trash makes it into the trash can and then those trash cans get emptied, we've got people who work in the restaurant industry. We have a restaurant on site. We have cooking Fine classes. dining, right? Fine dining, cooking mm. classes. So we've got garden chef that their job is to teach simple garden-based recipes in our outdoor kitchen. Literally, I feel like there's not an industry that we are not touching by working with a botanical garden. If wow. you want to do fundraising, if you want to do people choosing, we got that for you too. If you just want to sit and talk and take care of plants all day, of course, we got you. (laughs) And I love that you got into that aspect. You actually beat me to the next question, which is what are some recommendations you would have for people who don't stand for plants, don't have a career in plants, but perhaps they just love the botanical gardens or perhaps they're just like, girl, I'm trying to get a job. Yeah, I feel like the botanical garden world is a doorway and a gateway to other aspects, both on Mm -hmm. the corporate and also if you're on the entrepreneurial field. Mm -hmm. It's a great area to hone really hard skills like account management, bookings, making connections to other people who may be in the events and event planning world. Like, so if you want to be a DJ, 
coming in and working on our events team, helping with events set up, hearing and seeing how it happens. I mean, that's happened here before where people come in and work with our special events team and kind of just get a feel for what it takes to put on a beautiful, well-curated event. And they Mm. take that and work at it and make those industry connections. And then three, four years down the line, they're DJing or running their own events, the events specialty. Like there's a young lady who worked in our special events department who's now running her own floral curation shop. So she does cut flowers for weddings and parties. In Atlanta? In Atlanta, yes. Yes. So So there's lots of those. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we do that here, but who's to say that can't happen in Philly, can't happen in DC, like making those connections that's there. You can really just kind of hone in, figure out. We had a guy who was working on our horticultural staff that after a couple of years wanted to be in business for himself and really fine tune his landscape management skills and has gone off and is running his own landscape management, mow and grow kind of company. So like, there's nothing to say you have to stay within the system that is the botanical garden world. You can, if, if you want to be your own boss, if you want to do your own thing, you can build a skill. There's a and lot then of go. space. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't even touch on things like the marketing people being able to know how Somebody to market. Somebody got to make sure, someone, yeah. someone makes our pictures look great and that our social media is awesome. We've had people who come in and work and then while still working, but also able to build out their own clientele and be able to help with their marketing portfolio and build out and web page development. Because these are all things that people need and see and that you're refining and fine-tuning these skills here. Wow. Like I said, so many options. I have so many questions. One of the questions that just came up is partnerships. Like you mentioned, hey, you could do this in Philly. You could do this wherever. And that got me thinking about how obviously everyone who's listening, you know, we're in many countries, doesn't have access to Atlanta Botanical Garden. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, is it typical in the industry, in the field or whatever you call it, to have these institutions partner with one another? Like, what are the affiliations that Botanical Gardens has? Here in the States, we have a governing body. So there is the American Public Garden Association. It covers North American gardens, so Canada, Mexico, and the U.S. And it Mm -hmm. covers every type of public garden you can think of or haven't thought of. So those are public gardens that are small farms, historical houses. Mm -hmm. We've got public gardens that are part of the association that are part of university campuses. Mm -hmm. We've got public gardens that are only like three acres. And we've got public gardens that are hundreds of acres. We've got public gardens that have a rural location and a city-based location. And these all fall under the American Public Gardens Association. And then you can even get even more specialized than that. There are organizations that we are part of that are plant-based organizations like Mm -hmm. the Magnolia Society. It's just about magnolias. Society. (laughs) There's something about that word that's like, oh, do I need to send in my CV to apply? And a lot of botanical gardens are also a part of the Museum Association. So the American Museum Association, because we are 
that is a botanical garden. Botanical garden is a living museum. Why do I think about it like that? I'm telling you, it really is. And a lot of botanical gardens are also, if they have animals in their collections, they're a part of the American Zoo and Aquariums Association too, because someone had to take care of those environments that these elephants are living in. That's a horticulturalist. That's a plant person. A plant person who knows working with a zoologist to figure out what kind of environment can they create for this animal to live as naturally as possible in captivity, right? What is that job called? Did you name the, um, the name? Usually it? it's a zoo horticulturalist. That's a big part of why I wanted to have you speak and, and say other things that you're saying is so that we can bring awareness to that on this very Black, very horticulturally based podcast. So I'm like, wow, would I have been a zoo horticulturalist if somebody made a sound fly to me when I was in like fourth grade? Getting to work with plants and animals? I don't see the downside of that for real. That's it. Yes. That is a good way to, wow, the intersection of horticulture and plants. Of course, because they eat plants. They live their whole environment. We got to like help them live their best lives in captivity as we can. It just makes me think about when I first became very interested in plants and I was looking for horticultural place to look for a job. I didn't remember. I think I was in Jacksonville, Florida, and it was the zoo Mm -hmm. that had the, it was the zoo and gardens. So I understood that that was as much as possible for that city, one of the more official, prestigious horticultural institutions. Institutions. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it would have been so cool because I, you know, I think I actually chickened out. I did not apply. I was just like, I just started liking plants like yesterday. (laughs) Yeah. I don't see why y'all would hire me. So can you speak to that? That feeling of imposter syndrome? Yes. It can really like take hold and stop you from trying a thing out. My father has a saying, which I'm sure other fathers have very similar sayings, but it's like nothing beats a try, but a failure. And I'm sure there's a different version of that, but that's directly from my father. He's said it my entire life. And that's kind of like a governing principle of how I operate and how I encourage others to operate. How are you going to build the skills if you never try? Even if you're just now getting started in the plant world, what's really great, plants have basic needs. They need sunlight, they need water, they need something to grow in, be it in water or in soil. Mm -hmm. If you can figure out what that is and if you're willing to learn and adapt to their needs, that's just the beginning. That's the starting block. And then you take it from there. So much can be done with passion and a willingness to learn. And who's going to stop you but you? And I literally did stop myself because I was like, I'm not applying. I just started liking plants yesterday. My concern was on paper, I'm just not looking qualified. Although I knew that if I got put in that position, I would take off. And I think that's for anyone listening who is feeling like I felt, I want to encourage you as I would encourage myself if I could (laughs) have. The passion that you have for that thing that you feel makes you qualified to at least try it, because that's the best you can do really is try it anyway. That's enough. And when you go into that interview, should you get selected to do that, or if you have the opportunity to pitch yourself, then make that your selling point. Let people know, hey, I really, really am very passionate about this. And that could be the difference between somebody who just wants to get in here and get a check. 
as far as longevity and the, you know, willingness to learn. So to that same point, maybe a job isn't where it is, but have you thought about volunteering? Very good point. I think that's what I ended up getting around to because I, at one point I did actually volunteer at the Atlanta Botanical Gardens. It was a short-lived volunteer, but I did recognize like, I'm trying to get in here and see what's really good. So... Yeah, like, and I think, too, sometimes people are even taken aback from the volunteer opportunity. They get afraid of what that commitment could be. But yeah. as someone who lives and breathes and thrives on volunteer, even a couple of hours every couple of months does me so much service than not having someone. That makes sense. So it, if all you can afford to give is one Saturday afternoon for three hours, once every couple of months, I'll find something that you can do. And then it gives you that experience. It gives you that feel of it. And it's a low investment and commitment from your end other than your time. So you Mm -hmm. don't really stand to lose much by volunteering. You know, Mm -hmm. you know, your job is not on the line if you don't do a good job. That is such a good point. And the thing that some people don't know I don't know how many, so I'm not going to speak to that. But some people really don't know, especially those who wish that they had experience to reflect something that they're interested in, a job they're interested in getting. Um, Volunteer service does count on a resume. It does. It does count. So take that, put that in your pocket, do what you need to do with that. But speaking of volunteering at Atlanta Botanical Gardens, can you tell us about some of the ways that one can get more familiar with the garden, with the ground, whatever it is. Let's get into it. Much like how there is a plethora of avenues career-wise in and around supporting the Botanic Garden, the same thing with volunteer opportunities. We have volunteers who are garden essential maintenance volunteers. So those volunteers that work directly with horticultural staff to maintain the gardens. We have docents and tour guides. So they are on the education and volunteers. We have volunteers who work with our children's program, which for them includes just like reading stories or dancing with the kids to get their bodies moving in a natural environment. We have volunteers who greet our visitors who literally are just the first or second because they come through admission, welcoming face to the space. And that's an important, yes, that's an important (laughs) aspect. You come in in and you're coming to this environment that's like lush and green or like a place of calming and the smiling face just really enhances that experience. Mm -hmm. Like it really helps center your mind and your spirit for what you're about to take in. And that's an important role. We have volunteers who help with office things. So, you know, we have volunteers who help organize all the mailings that go out to our membership, who label envelopes, who put postage stamps on envelopes that goes out for our member newsletter. That's an important role. Our members want to know what's going on. And it's a lot of members. It's a lot of households. And it's a lot of mailings. And it's helpful to have someone, you know. That's a lot of mail. How many not members re- is it? Ooh, let me not speak out of turn. I am not sure anymore. Um, <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Finish it, that thought. Though. A lot is a lot. It's. I mean, there's, there's always. You were talking about that administrative volunteering yeah, commitment and that position. 
that is sending those mailings out? A lot. We have a lot a of lot. numbers, but mm-hmm. we are always looking and can encourage more. We got a big space here. We have two locations, both here in the city of Atlanta and up in Gainesville, Georgia. So membership means you walk in on with your family, with mm-hmm. your friend. It's an easy thing to do when you got visitors because who doesn't like pretty stuff? <laughs> that is true. And it's, it doesn't take a lot of time. Like, and when usually... you take someone there, when you take someone to a place like the Atlanta Botanical Gardens, especially someone who is not familiar with these types of spaces, it can really brighten up their day. It can just introduce them to a world that could possibly change their lives. Or maybe I'm thinking too broad. That's me. No, or it I mean, just it's green space good. surrounded by plants. We live in a natural world. We are working real hard to like make it full of concrete, but there are trees that are thriving. And then when you come to a curated space, a space that is focusing on our natural world, on our plants, it really does so much for you. So even if it's not your jam, I feel like we have something (laughs) for everybody. I like how you said it. Your your boss would give her a promotion. Wherever you're trying to go, tell them Cola said that... (laughs) That was what you needed to say to get that. Can you tell us about your first experience at the Atlanta Botanical Gardens and maybe compare it to some of your other experiences in in other spaces like that? But let me not overpack that question. No worries. Tell Um, us about when you first arrived and when you got the chance to like take it in. Because I don't know if you rushed through it first or... My first experience with the Atlanta Botanical Garden. So I grew up in the mid-Atlantic in the D.C. area. And even in that area, a lot of my family was up north in the northeastern corridor. So in Mm. Connecticut, Jersey, New York. So it never really came south. My first experience with Georgia and Atlanta and then the Atlanta Garden was actually in college for a student competition. It was at the time called Planet Student Career Days, and it was a part of the National Landscape Architects Association. So it was a big student competition for people who were within the green industry to essentially try your skills against each other and compete and schools were rewarded. And one the year that I attended, I went several other years as well, but that year it was hosted in Atlanta. And it was a part of UGA was also up in Athens, was also a host garden host school for this competition. And Mm -hmm. my professor who was in charge of this whole trip was a UGA alum. And so she got our group together, the 15 of us, and brought us down to the Botanical Garden. And it was my first time at Atlanta Botanical Garden, but it was not my first time within a botanical garden. I grew up in DC in the U.S. Botanic Garden down the street and the National Arboretum was around the corner. So I'd kind of always been engaged in those types of spaces. But this is my first time at the Atlanta Botanical Garden. I walked in and it just immediately felt like, oh, this is so pretty and this is so mm-hmm. calming. And I sat in front of our fountain, the Chihuly fountain in the middle of the garden and just like, I'm a huge people watcher. And I just Ooh, watched- that's a great way to spend time in a space like that. I just watched people engage and interact with the garden, with each other, with the space. And I just, I was just taken aback at like how at ease people seem to be 
with themselves and each other in the Mm -hmm. space. And that was just, I was really just like taken aback at how, how uh, the garden seemed to encourage that, to encourage people to just like be. Did that make you want to, did that like sow the seed for your initial, not initial, but your later introduction into? Yeah, it really did. So when I was in. Getting on that journey. So when I was in undergrad, I was like, oh, I'm going to be an engineer. And then I hated it. And then I took this floor design class and I was like, oh, I can work with plants. Cool. And then because I came from that engineer mindset, my thought process with working with plants was I'm going to be a landscape architect. I'm going to be a landscape designer. That was going to be my process. And I did this internship. It was a three-month internship. So it wasn't very long, but I was not content. And I was like, well, I don't want to do that for the rest of my life. And after this trip, which happened in my second year as a horticulture major, it's like, oh, public gardens are a thing. Like, again, I grew up in DC, so I'd been around it, but again, just- You took it for granted? I took it for granted. It just didn't, it didn't make the connection that this could be a thing. Can we just unpack that just just a tiny bit? Because I get what you're saying and that's worth just kind of stopping on because there are spaces that some of us take for granted. I feel like plant people and people who listen to this show are soil cousins. Hey, y'all. We don't tend to be as not plant conscious. I'm trying to, because there's that's the politically correct term for it. Plant blindness, is. it turns out we, we ain't really supposed to say that. But for those who don't really recognize the space that they're in and, and the opportunities that are available in that space. But you were a kid in, engaging in the botanical gardens for the most part. So it was just yeah. like, it was an environment. You didn't see it as a business where there could be a job there. I get it. Yeah. So I yeah. Have to talk it out. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And now coming into visiting the botanical garden and, you know, halfway through what would be my collegiate career is when you really kind of start figuring out, okay, well, what do I need to do to figure what's next? Because I'm only going to be in school for so long. And coming and visiting, being a part of student career days, seeing what other aspects were a part of this green industry, this horticultural industry, it kind of guided what would then become internships to Mm -hmm. other internships to really test the waters. And those internships led me down the path that I am now. And It was always kind of like the botanical garden here in Atlanta was manageable. Like I visited New York Botanic Garden and I love it and it's great. But it was, New York was a lot for me. And it took a level of self-awareness to know that that wasn't the space that I needed to be in. um, Nor did I want to be in. In the botanical gardens? In the botanical gardens. New York is a lot in terms of the city. And then New York Botanic Garden is huge. That's what I was going to ask. Like, it's do you just remember huge. the approximate acreage? Somewhere in the 150, I believe, but it's big. That's a, it's a big chunk of land in New York City. That's a big... It's a wow. honking big chunk of land in New York City. Like, it's, How much is... In juxtaposition, how much is the space in Atlanta? 30 acres. 30 smooth acres. acres. 30 smooth acres. I got a question about these 30 acres. Yeah. How are they utilized? So like is uh, every inch of every acre utilized or like how does how was I all mean, of that broken up? Pretty much. I mean, land is valuable and we're sitting on top of Piedmont Park. 
which is amusing, beautiful city of Atlanta Park. Um, but our little 30 acres, like every section that could be visible is available to our visitors. So really, yeah, like even back of the house is tiny. We, our staff has expanded and we didn't have any place to put anybody. You mean the office? <laughs> the office. Like uh-huh. we did really. Because everybody so, doesn't really need an office, right? No. Mm-mm. Everyone needs a landing place. And yeah, so, the break room. Right, exactly. At least um, that. So we started going up because we couldn't go out. That's oh. how it's gotten, you know. There's a reason skyscrapers exist. Can't go out, must go up. Sky is free. Free. Sky is, sky is free. I never thought about that. Wow. Because we want as much of our space available to our visitors, that's again, the catalyst why we built our second office building on the back half of our conservatory. And it's visually the same height as our conservatory. So you can't really see it. Oh, (laughs) so it went from a one level building to a two level building because we needed the space, but we didn't want to sacrifice the visuals and the plant space because that's why we're here. The plants. (laughs) Wow. Of course, because, you know, if I come into the botanical gardens, I didn't come to see seals. And you mean you didn't come to see our, our brick hot building. dog stands or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't come to see. Not with the hot dog stand. Though. Architecture, unless it's <laughs> horticulturally related. All right. I want to ask you a few kind of like rapid fire questions. And Soil Cousins, listen. We're doing something new with this season or just with the future of Black in the Garden where we will be talking more in in depth and on video, like we'll be actually having these live interviews. So I'm going to be talking with Mo in that capacity, and I'm sure that you have plenty of more questions. You can always direct those to the emails and the show notes. Y'all know what to do. But I just want to let you know that I know I couldn't cover as much as I would have loved to have covered in the amount of time that we have, but there's still more opportunities to talk more. First rapid fire question, I should have asked you more towards the beginning. How long have you been with the Botanical Garden? I am coming up on my 11th year. Oh, wow. Okay. And so what would you say is your favorite thing about, think about one of your favorite things about the garden from when you first got there versus one of your favorite things now, or is it the same thing? It's not. When I first got here, I was obsessed with our conservatory and our orchid collection. Orchids have never been the plant that I could care for well. And Mm -hmm. we just have such a diverse, cool orchid collection from native orchids to high elevation orchids, things you find in South America. Like, it's just amazing. And there's so much inventory and diversity within the orchid family that you can go into the conservatory and it's never the same thing twice. And so that was like that I could always be found like hanging out in the conservatory. Now I'm much more obsessed with our children's garden. Oh, the vegetable garden? Well, just the children's garden in general, not just the vegetables, but I Mm. feel like with our renovation of that space, we went from being kind of just a playground to a plant ground. So you can play and engage in nature 
in a realistic way that kids play. So yes, there's a slide and yes, there is a water splash pad area, but there's also a vegetable garden where the plants are literally things you find in the grocery store at eye level that you can pick and work with and dig in yourself as a kid. Yes, there's a there's a beehive that you can see how honeybees come in and go out and make the honey. You can look at the hive and see it. Yes, there is a lawn space that's covered by trees that have stumps that you can jump on and dig behind and just kind of play in the dirt. And that's okay. You can just be in nature as a kid and a family and adult. Like I go up in the children's garden and I just, you go, I go up there. I go in the children's garden. I've been there in order to have that stated as your favorite. Yeah. I mentioned earlier, I love observing people and yeah. kids are people. And we often forget that. They're full but, of wonder. And what yeah. an environment to observe children in. To just sit on my lunch break and watch kids engage in nature in the children's garden is Aww. probably one of my favorite things. And families and caregivers interacting with them and like encouraging their learning because they're always learning. They're always open. They refuse to not learn. Y'all know how kids ask a lot of questions. That's what that is about. So you're welcome. That is an interesting answer. and But what a great answer in just kind of reminding us that we can actually find our way out of a funk if we can just watch children be joyous <laughs> and be inquisitive, especially with their the natural world. And to actually mimic that, to be inspired by that. Learning from them, being reminded by them. Yes, that. Think about a plant that you feel embodies you or one that you feel that you relate to the most. It doesn't have to be one. I want you to think about that, but I want you to think about three different plants. So think about a plant that you feel embodies you or one that you feel that you relate to the most in terms of appearance or your style. Man, man, that's that's tough, tough, tough. Oh. And right. I, we um, can come back to that question. Like we could. Now nah, this is rapid. We gonna rapid answer. Let's rapid it then. All right. I'm like, um, I feel like I wanted to. I should have gave you more time to figure. I'll be giving people their questions in advance, y'all. That's a little BTS. All right. So I think it would be like an Asiatic lily, like a lily of the valley, a lily of the field. Here's why: because it took a little while to bloom for me. It took a little while to like come into myself. But I feel like I came out and I really like become the version that I have now and I'm now displaying like Mo yes. as I am now. Somewhat exotic like, I feel like, even. Yeah, I'm beautiful. Like I'm, I'm on a so show. cool. If you were to meet me in person, I feel oh. like you'd stop to want to talk to me. And I feel like that's what Asiatic lilies do. They're bulbs in the ground and you don't really know that they're there and they're really quiet. And then they come up a little bit and they've got their green leaves and then you blink and they're flowering and their flowers like hey look at me i'm here i feel like that's me number one stunner i love how you answered two of those that i was going to ask because you answered i i said a plant that you feel embodies you or that you relate to the most as far as your style or appearance you said the asiatic lily and i was also going to ask you know a plant that resonates the most with you as far as the way that it grows and the way that you just described that being the asiatic lily 
I feel like that is really like your plant representative. And we're going to play around more with that. That's what I came up with that as I was preparing for our interview. I was like, I want to ask her a fun botanical question. What's a fun botanical question? So what about the vibe along those same lines? This is the last rapid fire question. And All I right. have one last plant is my vibe? juicy question. Yes. All right. I feel like sometimes I could be real carnivorous plants, namely a Venus really? flytrap. Sometimes I lure you in and you just want to hang out with me, but I'm really kind of just going to use you to my next benefit. Sorry. Look at the transparency there. Well, damn. Just, I mean, listen, hate to say it, but it is what it is. You say know? no more. I thought you was going to say that you like to go down to the Brazilian steakhouse and go all in, but I mean, I can thrive on my own, but you know, yeah. if I see you and I know that you can help me, I'm going to help you help me. And that's right. what a Venus flytrap does. It's like, yeah. oh, it can live off of just what pollination happens with its flowers, but it's a bonus when it gets that fly. What it's a, a bonus when it gets that and you answered that you had to go down also that. Gave that lesson. I love that because I didn't fully know. I actually just got a Venus flytrap, almost killed it. No worries, y'all. She's coming back. She's on the mend. Barely. It's like one of those, there's a the, a speck of green where your optimism is like, I know you're going to live through this. I know I burnt you up in the sun, but you're going to come back. You so make it's it. one of those. Yeah. And so I was wondering about the plant before we turn towards plant slaughter. It's involuntary, by the way. I was wondering, can it survive off of not having protein? Yeah, it can. Amen. I mean, okay. it's still, I mean, it's still a plant. So it's still getting what it can get from that soil. It's still when to get what it can from the sun, from mm. water, and then it does flower. So it has to be able to procreate and continue its life expectancy otherwise. But that's all that to say, having that food and closing those traps and like mm. dissolving it is important too. Amen. Okay, y'all, listen. And if you want to learn more about this particular plant, I'm pretty sure that the Atlanta Botanical Gardens would be happy to help you. Yeah, we got a huge carnivorous plant collection, both native, because Georgia has a lot of native carnivorous plants, fun fact, as well as those exotic ones like the Venus flytraps. Well, I would love to be able to come down to the Atlanta Botanical Gardens and and do the Black in the Garden thing and learn more about that. So we'll figure out how that's going to go down. Like I said, we're going to talk. Last question, though. Shady question. What is the policy on people feeling entitled to take cuttings from these collections? Okay. We don't allow that because... Plants are notorious for spreading diseases. And so you come in and you take a cutting and it grows in your garden and then you get some fire blight or you get some source bacteria and then you come back at us like, oh, I got Whoa. this. Because people are people and people be doing what so people they be doing. So they would actually do something. They would actually steal, then have averse mm-hmm. effects from what they stole and then Mm -hmm. come back and be like, yo, here's a lawsuit. I'm assuming there's more to it, but that's one of the reasons. That's one of the reasons. Mm -hmm. Also, there are parts of our collections that are federally protected. And so you taking cuttings is illegal and will get us into a lot of trouble because it's under federal 
protection. Like as a part of us even having it in our collection, there are guidance ends. So it's just a lot easier to just, if, if you're doing research for something or if you are looking to propagate on some kind of developmental side, there are avenues to do that. You can mm-hmm. contact our VP of Horticulture. You can contact us and we can see if they're like, we're not just going to be like, no, right off the bat. Because mm-hmm. there might be a way to facilitate that. But just as a general oh. policy... We don't let cuttings happen if we're out in the garden and we decide like we're cutting back something, it goes into our in-house compost. Like we try not to let plant material to the best of our abilities leave our site. Oh my God. That makes so much sense because it did kind of pop in my head. I'm like, well, what about when y'all be, you know, pruning or whatever, a little sample? No, that goes right into our in-house compost. Mm-hmm. Which then goes back out into the garden. Full circle, y'all. It does full circle. It does not go to waste. Just a tiny little follow up question to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Has there ever been scandal at the garden? Not garden based scandal. Okay. Um, Just general like, human foolery. Yeah, we had, uh, as we were doing an expansion, a contractor had an issue with the scaffolding as we were doing our canopy walk and it did lead to a death, like oh, an injury, no. a serious injury and a death, but that wasn't us, but it happened on our site oh. as we were having construction. And right. that is still something that we acknowledge and talk about today because safety is a really big thing that we pay attention to in all ways. So we have safety trainings and videos that we do. If you were going on a ladder higher than five feet tall, you have to be trained, which seems trained. odd. Yes. Uh-huh. Like how to fall safely from higher than six feet, because there is a way that you can limit the number, like how injured you are when you fall from higher than six feet. Oh, okay. So it's kind of like when a dancer is training on how to fall or a skater or something like that. Yes. 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 I so see. safety is a really big it's a big thing here in every role and in every job. Safety. I got one last, I promise this is the last you question. You said one last 12 rapid minutes fire, ago. <laughs> rapid fire, like the rapidest. I know people get married there, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But I know also that people ask to be buried there. We've not had anyone buried here. We can't. It is, but has anyone uh, asked? Uh, as far as I know, no. We have had some people ask about sprinkling of ashes. Oh. And we also cannot do that because horticulturally it is damaging to plants, humans, or grows. And our bodies, like there just isn't a place in our garden that can handle the acidity that comes from human ashes. And also the human How ashes. How do you know this? You'd be, I'm not easy. I'm the one movie. asking you this wild question and you're like uh, <laughs> answering it. I'm like, how do you know this? Um, let me tell you, that Asiatic lily in me, it's a lot behind that beauty. Wow. <laughs> There's a lot going on behind that beauty. <laughs> so sorry to disappoint me and everybody else listening no. who otherwise was making their funeral arrangements for the Atlanta Botanical yeah. Gardens. You cannot well, be, ba- can you just say this officially? You cannot be buried at the Atlanta Botanical Gardens. We will host your memorial ceremony though. Oh, so you can have a nice memorial ceremony in your favorite part of the garden, but you cannot be buried here, nor can your ashes be sprinkled. R.I.P. If you know, we will see you at the crossroads is the best I can tell you for now. 
But Mo, thank you so much for indulging me in in all the fun and the otherwise. Uh, (laughs) So as far as what people can look forward to if they're planning a trip to Atlanta, they want to visit the gardens or they're curious about the gardens. Tell us what's happening now or, you know, what you're looking forward to or or, or what you would say in your most official capacity. We always have a summer exhibit right now. We have a two-parter. One is, it's called Supernatural. It features glass works. So glass orchids, coniferous plants, including the Venus flytrap and the Georgia pitcher plants. And these are huge, huge pieces. I'm talking the average height of them are six feet, six to eight feet tall. So these are huge glass pieces. And in collaboration with that, we also have a piece called Dream Flora of Over Our Canopy Walk. And it is a sea of, for lack of better words that are escaping my brain, a sea of colored plastic strips that you walk under that move in the wind. It's an exhibit. I was it's just thinking exhibit. about that. I think yeah. I that thing is so gorgeous. Like words don't do it justice. It's like Dream Floor is beautiful. It's probably my one of my favorite summer exhibits that we've ever done. And that's saying a lot because we do a lot. Y'all are doing some amazing things. <laughs> And if you come and visit, say, latter part of the year, we have one of the best uh, botanical-based light shows, Garden Nights Holiday Lights. That's a great thing to do. Great date night, great family night, just walking and looking at beautiful lights and beautiful plants. One of the great things about Georgia is that we have four seasons of interest, so there's always something in bloom in the garden. Mm -hmm. So if you don't want to deal with the July heat, coming in (laughs) October is probably one of my favorite times of a year in the garden between the botanical interests, the activities. Like we do a huge, huge, huge pumpkin display. Huge pumpkin display. We do scarecrows in the garden. The weather is beautiful. Ooh. The leaves are changing. Like October is when to be here. And it's not nearly as hot. So yeah. if, you're, if you're not a heat person, if you're not a Southern Southern belle looking to get melted, <laughs> Okay. It's a gorgeous time to be at the off. garden. Come on, come on, come run through I the mean, grass on the I'm, lawn with your I'm, shoes off. I, I do not deny my Southern heritage and I don't like wearing shoes either. So there's so. that. What about membership? What should we know about membership or would you just direct us to your website? I will direct you to your website because it'll give you the full breakdown of tiers, but we have all kinds of levels of membership from individual all the way up to contributing and above. The contributing is like a sustainer level. Um, it is a set annual gift to help us maintain our collections, pay our staff, keep the garden growing literally and figuratively and then of course if you just want the opportunity to come with uh, family or friends or out-of-town guests or a nice reprieve we have a lower membership the very basic two-person membership and that's a really great way to do it and that allows daytime admission and people forget but we have two locations so we have our Atlanta location as well as our Gainesville location Gainesville is about an hour and a half north of Atlanta up 985 and that one is more of a wooded wooded feel garden but it's still a curated garden and that's a really great space like if you really want to get one with nature but maybe don't want to go for a hike Gainesville Garden is oh, a really great spot for that that's it's got a good a, lots of wooded walking trails a beautiful amphitheater, awesome children's garden as well. So yeah, then 
your membership gets you into both of those places for regular daytime admission and premier access to special events too. So if you want to come it. to a concert, you can do that too. That is it. Okay. Well, listen, I cannot wait for my next visit and everything that is to come. I just wanted to focus on talking with you and, and getting some insight about all the things that you have shared. Thank you, Mo, for joining us on Black in the Garden. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure and a delight. Yes, love, light, and soil. Hey, Soil Cousins, that was such a great time. Just getting fully immersed into the world of Atlanta Botanical Garden, sharing a little bit about my experience with Nia, aka The Bloom Journey. And of course, we met up with Nika. We talked about that. That's a lot of variegata. We talked to Mo Hemmings, a whole insider from Atlanta Botanical Garden. And I cannot wait to go back. I cannot wait to see you there. I cannot wait until... We get all this stuff situated and set up and we'll talk more about the details of how you can engage with me, connect with me at Atlanta Botanical Garden in a very near future announcement or episode, something like that. But just stay tuned is the main thing. You were going to do that anyway, right? So speaking of what you were going to do anyway, support. Before I get out of here, I want to remind you of the ways that you can support the podcast. Let's talk about what support looks like, okay? Very simple things like sharing and uh, leaving a review. Those things really go a long way because sometimes when people come across Black in the Garden podcast or any podcast really, and they go and they look at those reviews, you're vouching for the quality of the experience that you're having. I really emphasize and prioritize making this an experience for my soil soil cousins as much as possible. Down to, I don't even like saying, oh, my listeners, my fans. That's not how I roll. Y'all are tribe. Y'all are family. So y'all are my soil cousins. And I want to show you my love in that way by addressing you as such. So definitely review, definitely share with whoever you think might enjoy it. Uh, get some merch. That's another cool way to support because what merch does besides allow you to enjoy this really cute art that we have, shout out to Paula Champagne, what merch does is it allows you to show your support tangibly by having that sticker or that wall decal or that button on your backpack or on your collar or wherever you have it. We have some really cool things that you can wear and that you can stick on Black in the Garden. That's B-L-K in the garden.com. So head on over there so you can figure out what you like and get something for you, get something for a friend. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't even have to be someone who listens to the show that could enjoy this really awesome art that we have available there. We have some really fun stuff coming out, but we're not going to get ahead of ourselves. I have a tendency to do that. Now, another thing that you can do, definitely check the show notes. All of this is indicated in the show notes. Make sure that when you are shopping with our sponsor, Motherland Essentials, at motherlandessentials.com, that you use the code Black in the Garden at checkout. That is how my sponsor knows that Cola sent you over there. And you want to make sure that whenever you are going to any place, to shop with anyone. If you've been referred, it's always good for the business owner to know like how did you end up there? 
And we're talking about a Black business. So, you know, we be needing all the information that we can get. So there is that. And then I want to leave you with considering making that pledge to become a patron. And yes, it is a pledge. A lot of us, especially if you're into podcasts, you probably listen to uh, public radio like NPR. I'm a huge fan of NPR. And I know one of the things that they do on a regular basis is a support drive. I think they do that about quarterly. And maybe we'll do one of those. I don't know. I got a lot going on, but we'll figure that out. But right now, what we're talking about... is how you can make your pledge of support on a monthly basis. Think of it as like taking me to lunch because it's about how much you would spend on like a lunch special. I'm not even talking about cloth, tablecloths, none of that like that. I'm talking about like down to your favorite spot, hopefully a Black-owned restaurant. If you've been listening, you heard KJ tell us we need to eat Black on Fridays. That's worth mentioning. But that's not the point. The point is, Think of it as taking me to lunch every month, which is something that I imagine if you like me well enough from listening to me yakking all the time, then you probably would be interested in doing something like that. So that'd be fun, you know, not lunch literally, but it's like, shout out to you for making a dope podcast. So treat yourself to some lunch so that you could use those funds that you otherwise would have been spending on cauliflower wings or whatever. (laughs) Not cauliflower wings. But yeah, so instead of uh, spending on whatever you were spending on, you can invest that into the podcast. There are costs and all kinds of things that go into not just putting together the podcast, but making it into the thing that we know it to be by now, which is just, it's a movement. So I just want to emphasize once again, check those show notes so that you can get very familiar with all the ways to support and share. All right. I appreciate you for lending me your ears. Cannot thank you enough. Your support means everything. And I'm going to go ahead and get on out of here, let you get back to your business or the next podcast, whatever you got going on, live your life. Thank you for tuning in. I want to wish y'all love, light, and soil and have a fantastic day. 